the markets. We just can't get enough of them. Markets are the drivers of your wealth and investment strategy. Welcome to Magic Markets with your co-hosts, The Finance Coast and Mohamed Nalla. Together, we have more than 25 years of combined experience in the markets. In addition to our weekly free show that you know and love, we have now launched Magic Markets Premium, a weekly show for our subscribers in which we give detailed analysis on global stocks. Every premium show is accompanied by a report covering the company's strategic drivers, its operating environment, its competitors, bull versus bear case, technical trading indicators, and a long-term investment thesis. At just 99 Rand per month, we are committed to making institutional-level analysis affordable for all investors and traders. Visit magic-markets.com to go premium and unlock your full potential in the markets. Welcome to episode 52 of Magic Markets, and that is such an exciting milestone because that means that this is our one-year show, Mo, as you've just reminded me uh, before we kicked off here, so that's that's excellent, and you know, our listeners will be familiar with the cat in the hat, but they may not know Mo in the snow, and as we spoke yesterday, you were standing in the snow, you sent me a reasonably hilarious photograph of you changing your snow tires, which I won't share with the world because you'll disown me, so welcome from a, a cold and snowy Canada for our one-year anniversary show, it's really exciting. Yeah, Ghost, I think it's it's why we started joking about the whole blue hoodie thing right at the start is that we started this when it was kind of cold up here and I used to wear the iconic blue hoodie. Uh, it's only really just started getting cold, I guess, up here. It's it's the first kind of snow flurries that we got yesterday. Uh, yes, you do have to put on winter tires. Thankfully, we're not as bad as the rest of Canada that's sitting with, with inches and inches of snow already. So yeah, welcome, I guess, to our listeners from a now getting colder and soon to be a lot snowier Canada. Yeah, and straight after this show, we'll be recording the Magic Markets Premium episode. We're doing Monster this week, Monster Beverages, which was actually started by some South African expats. So no pressure, Mo. Some South Africans move to North America and do amazing things. Elon Musk, our friends from Monster, you know, Magic Markets on your side, which is which is a little bit smaller currently, but we're getting there. So I would definitely encourage listeners to go and check out Magic Markets Premium if they haven't done so already. The feedback from listeners has been fantastic so far. We we've really had people enjoy it. So yep, go check it out if you haven't if you haven't yet. And you know the free show is very different. We talk about themes in the free weekly show. We talk more high level. And in the premium show, we do more deep dives into companies, really unpick their numbers as well as their story. So tonight, Mo, we're talking about some themes in the US market, some insights that we've picked up from kind of just reading, you know, general bits of research on the market. And I just want to kick off by mentioning FactSet has released a, an article that talks about the most searched terms in the third quarter of 2021 in their sort of world, essentially. And the four terms are really interesting. And, and I think listeners could probably guess a couple of them. So one is ESG, something we've covered in a number of shows before. It's incredibly prominent at the moment, no doubt about it. Another one is inflation, which we'll talk a little bit about tonight, but not too much. We've got some other stuff we want to cover, but you know that's definitely become really top of mind for people. Vaccine, so obviously that's COVID related as we start to see the end of this horrible thing. And then cryptocurrency, because, you know, it's cryptocurrency and everyone's always, always very, very interested in that. So, Mo, were there any surprises for you in there? I mean, I, I thought it was pretty much as expected. 
It's not just that it's pretty much as expected. It's also a lot of topics that we have also covered on the Magic Markets podcast. And I mean, you've been pointing to people to our premium show, but for those of you just discovering us on the podcast platform of your choice, go and check out our website. It's magic-markets.com. That's where you'll find the archive of a lot of these shows. So if you're interested in some of these themes that Ghost has just highlighted, you can literally go there, search our archives. You're going to find stuff on ESG. You're going to find stuff on inflation. Uh, you're going to find stuff on COVID and the vaccine and cryptocurrency. And yes, they are still topical, some of them more so than others. And whilst the themes we've discussed, some of them still remain valid. And for example, in there, I guess inflation for me is the one that's still pretty valid because we just had a data print out of the US last week, which posted a massively high inflation number. And the debate on whether inflation is transitory or not is one that we've had on the show. But the important thing here, and for our listeners who are really interested in the markets element of this, not just the macro element of it, this comes through with some real impacts for companies, how they do business, and what their earnings are going to look like uh, as we go forward. And goes maybe that's where we should kind of get in and scratch beneath the surface. Those inflation numbers are worth mentioning because people might be shocked here how high they were. Consumer inflation was 6.2%. And producer inflation 8.6 in October. I mean, those, those sound like South African numbers, not uh, not US numbers in a world of uh, of very low interest rates, right? Um, but what we want to talk about tonight, or at least focus on, is more sort of the revenue growth effect that we're seeing coming through in these S&P 500 companies. And it's important to know in the S&P 500, these are also the sort of real economy companies. So this is not the NASDAQ 100, which is all the tech stuff, and then one or two other funnies. The S&P 500 is very much broad market. It's all sectors are represented in there. So you're seeing everything from oil companies through to big tech when you look at the S&P 500. And Mo, the headline that we looked at screamed that this was the second highest revenue growth in that index since at least 2008. But there's a base effect in there, isn't there? Yeah, so there are base effects in both, right? There's Going back to your first comment around inflation, you know, the, the kind of base effects around inflation that come through. And they also the fact that energy prices, and we'll get into some of the nitty gritty, but energy prices have been a very large driver of that inflation rate. When we go into the S&P 500, you're 100% right in that it's it's giving you a multi-sector view of the US economy listed companies. If you look, for example, at the Dow Jones Industrial, that tends to be more Main Street real economy. You know, it kind of excludes some of your tech counters in the Dow, for example. If you look at the NASDAQ, it's very tech heavy. And so the S&P is kind of the blend of the two. But that headline you're referring to, it's kind of cheeky. You know, it's saying our second highest revenue since at least 2008. That's the fact set headline. And yes, they're right. And the highest was actually the preceding quarter. But guess what, guys? We just went through a global pandemic that collapsed everything in 2020 and Q2 was the real pressure point. Q3 last year was the other pressure point. So naturally in Q2, Q3 of this year, you're going to see these massively outsized revenue numbers, earnings numbers. The more important question for me right now is A, how sustainable is that? And B, going back to the inflation comment, is if inflation runs hotter than usual, the real return, which is effectively your nominal return, you strip out inflation, what's happening to the real return in some of these underlying companies? And I think that's also an important dimension for listeners to keep in the back of their minds. And Mo, I think it's worth just explaining what the base effect is. So, you know, we use this kind of terminology in our daily lives and not everyone understands what that actually means. And the base effect literally just means that there was something about the base year, the comparable year. So in other words, if you're looking at Q3 21, your base is Q3 20. And there was something about that base that was unusual, either very low or very high. A base effect can be either. So it's basically what you are being 
compared to. So if there was a sport analogy and you're being compared to your last performance and it was the best marathon of your life, then you're coming off a high base. You know, people would hear that kind of terminology in their daily lives. It's the same thing in the world of finance. So as a very quick example, in the second quarter of 2020, the S&P's revenue growth, so the average company in the S&P, was down around 9.3%. And in the second quarter of 2021, it was up 253 but that 25.3 was off the lower number. So if you if you punch that into your calculator quickly and you assume you started at 100, dropped 9.3% and then recovered 25, you actually come out at 13.6%. And that's essentially over two years. So whenever you hear an analyst or you read someone talking about through the cycle growth, that's what they are talking about. You know, ignore the big dip and the big recovery and look at what happened versus 2019 effectively. I think that's a very valid point. I mean, we've discussed base effects, for example, in a show a while ago where we were discussing South African GDP numbers post the pandemic as well. So I think it's quite relevant. But for your through the cycle comment, you know, that's it's, it's not just important to look through the last two years. For example, yes, we had a pandemic. What's a lot more important is what has the trend been over a five or 10 year growth period. And I mean, even in that context, even if we take your number and we average out the last two years, so you take the pandemic's bad year, you take this year's outsized positive year, you know, the current growth rates are still running hotter than growth rates from 10 or through through a 10 year average growth rate. I mean, your 10 year average growth rate came through, according to FactSet again, at around three and a half percent, your five year average growth rate at just under six percent. So the fact that we're getting low double digits is still a multiple above the long run average growth rates that we've seen come through in markets. And this is important. It's important because there's another macro trend that has been underlying a lot of the, the growth that you've seen in the the, the financialization of the economy in increased leverage, not just from a government perspective, but from a household perspective as well, even pre-pandemic. And so I think once you throw all of this into the mix, you've actually seen that earnings more recently on the S&P and most global markets have decoupled from the real underlying economy. And a fairly large portion of that is just simply because of an increase in leverage in the system. Now, that's not necessarily a bad thing, but what it does do is it increases the overall fragility of the system. And so when there is an adverse shock, it either requires an outsized policy response like we've seen in the wake of a pandemic, or if the policy response is actually somewhat lacking, it means that the risk of a correction is certainly a lot deeper. And that's what leads you into the kind of catch-22 world that we find ourselves in right now. It's also worth noting that in a high inflation environment, revenue growth is going to be higher on average because that's just sales. So if inflation is running at six and your volume growth is running at two, you know, your sales is going to run at about eight. That's just the maths. So if inflation is very low, then your volume growth may still only be two or three, and then that's where your revenue is going to come in. But earnings is obviously where the rubber really hits the road here because that's, that's the net result. After you've put price increases through to your customers as best you can, your suppliers are going to try and do the same to you. And the way companies manage that, you know, the way they manage that squeeze on one end and the pricing power on the other, that's going to determine how their earnings go. And I think what's really interesting is, is, you know, some of the stats in there, the one that really jumped out at me is if you have a look at uh, sort of the big oil companies with the current oil price where it is and compare them to how the tech companies are growing their revenue. So if you combine ExxonMobil and Chevron, I mean, these are, these are very old companies, even older than Numo, they added a combined revenue of $47.9 billion. Okay, Alphabet, which is Google, 
and Apple, if you combine them, their revenue growth, the revenue delta was $37.6 billion. So in other words, those two oil companies added together made more new money, you know, in the past quarter versus the previous quarter than Alphabet and Apple. And that's just, I mean, it's a function of what's in the base, yes, but it's also a function of what happens when oil prices go crazy and how these energy companies, which are very cyclical, these are called cyclical businesses because when times are good, they make an absolute killing and the rest of the time they make nothing. It's just a great stat, you know, and it shows you how timing is often everything on those businesses, whereas the tech companies, you can kind of buy them and put them in your bottom drawer. It's not always true on the energy stuff. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I think so. I mean, yes, we're being kind of cheeky. We're looking at a snapshot in time. And if you look at this snapshot in time, yes, energy prices. Remember, it was just over a year and a half ago that oil prices went negative on the on the near futures contract. So talking about base effects, how do you even quantify a negative you know, near future price? You can't, right? And to your point, yes, if we look at energy right now, it's the outlier. It's the massive outlier to the upside. But bear in mind, the industry has gone through such a difficult time period preceding that, that if you looked at the same snapshot a year ago and the year before that, we actually had it as the outlier on the downside. Now, this comes with two dimensions to it. One is that when returns are poor, those energy companies weren't able to release capital to their shareholders as effectively as they could. So they had to cut back on investment. That cutting back of investment, and this applies to those cyclical businesses like oil. It applies to the cyclical businesses generally in the commodities complex, of which South Africa has a very large contingent. Now, why it applies is that when you cut back on the investment, it effectively cuts back on production pipeline. And as you do that, remember, you don't just flick a switch like you would, for example, in a tech business. You don't just flick a switch and, hey, presto, you've got an oil well. And, hey, presto, you've got a a, a copper mine. These things have very long lead times. And so when there's a disconnect between supply and demand, those prices, that stickiness in prices, the uptick in prices, actually means that these companies ride that windfall for a while longer until there is a supply side response. So all of this ties back in. It goes to the supply chain constraints we spoke about on the free show a little while ago. Interestingly enough, it's something that's come through in a lot of the earnings of companies that we've already assessed inside Magic Markets Premium. So for those of you that aren't inside the paywall, again, we're going to point you towards that. There's a lot of good stuff in terms of how this has affected specific financials of specific companies. But where I want to go with this, Ghost, as well, is that it's all well and good, like you say, looking at the revenue story. But when you look at the earnings story, what was quite important for me is that generally profit margins are still quite robust. Generally, if we have a look at revenues, it's increased almost across all sectors. So this has been a rising tide period that has literally lifted all boats. And maybe it's lifted some boats more than it's lifted others. But that for me stood out a little bit. The sectoral mix, as we've discussed quite a bit, stood out a little bit. And my question mark is how sustainable is the net margin picture in in your view? I mean, we did see across the sectors that Faxit had a look at, we did see that there were five sectors where the profit margin actually corrected in an adverse manner. And interestingly enough, if you look at things like consumer discretionary, that's where you're going to maybe feel the pressure in terms of an inflation story. People are going to have to cut back somewhere. And so they cut back on that consumer discretionary sector. When you look at something like consumer staples, interestingly enough, the margin there, just again, marginally, but also the margin there compressed a little bit. And that's been juxtaposed by Infotech, for example, and real estate where margins are healthy and actually expanded in in the most recent or expected to expand in the most recent quarter. 
Yeah, so what always happens in the energy businesses is they get too much money and then they go and throw it away on stupid deals. So Sasol did that famously with Lake Charles. And, you know, if you speak to South African asset managers, they all they all have this fear in their eyes when it comes to cyclicals because all they want to see is dividends. They do not want to see announcements of big transactions. Among the local miners who are sitting on cash, I think that Northern Platinum has kind of put its hand up to say, okay, we are we are going to go first on doing big deals. You know, they've offered a massive premium to Royal Bafokeng Holdings on the stake in Royal Bafokeng Platinum. I mean, like 50% to the traded price. So, you know, that, that's when the cash is just starting to flow and it flows into big transactions. And that's when, when people get a bit nervous. So, you know, the net margin for these businesses is not sustainable. If the commodities turn around, then it falls over. I think almost quite fortuitously is that we had covered the big banks inside the Magic Markets Premier a while ago. And ironically, you know, banks are almost that business that really benefit from different parts of the value stream. And on that basis, you know, if these commodities and these cyclical companies are going around doing silly deals, well, there's going to be a banker there to offer them M&A activity and advisory and so forth. And why I raise this is it's so interesting because I just saw an article saying that George Soros in his most recent filings, his biggest bets, one of his biggest bets happened to be some cyclical companies and the others tend to be the banks. So you either believe that the companies are going to do the deals and some are value accretive. And if they're not, you're going to maybe try and suck some of that out through somewhere else in the value chain being the banks. So I just found that as, as quite, uh, quite telling. And it also comes to IPOs as well. So we haven't really seen energy IPOs. And companies like to come to market when their earnings are, are nicely elevated. So that's why we've seen lots of stuff in, you know, the specs. And I see Chimath is back on Twitter with another one pager, which is always a, a, a miniature sign of a top, you know, all that kind of stuff. And it's been a lot. Of, the IPOs are starting to slow down a little bit. You know, the biggest one this past quarter was Robinhood which I think raised was over $2 billion. And the idea is, you know, or the thought is, are we going to see energy companies starting to come to market? I mean, the problem is when ESG is one of your top searched terms, the reality is that a lot of institutional funds are now not allowed to hold these businesses that are firmly in the fossil fuels. And then we see retail investors climbing into businesses like Tungela down in South Africa and making a killing on them because it came to market heavily, heavily undervalued. Coal prices have been strong. And, uh, and investors have done well. And Tungela is a great example of these cyclical plays because what goes up can very easily come down. And Tungela has been sold off, sold off quite hard. You know, I saw a few comments on Twitter today about how people think it might be starting to reach some support now. So you know, these cyclicals are a dangerous game. I mean, I've been in the red in gold for 11 months now. It's finally, finally starting to creep into the green after a pretty good month for gold. So finally that inflation trade is working out. So you've either got to have incredible patience for this thing or uh, you've got to just be prepared to to ride the pain. But if you panic sell in cyclicals and panic buy, then it can you can end up doing exactly what you shouldn't be doing. Yeah, I think, I mean, my comment on the cyclicals as well is if you have a, a macro view on a particular commodity, for example, or a particular disconnect, I like to try and play it through the underlying commodity. And I mean, even in that space, you know, you spoke about Tungela, but go and have a look at what's happened with, with, with iron ore, with coal, you know, Tungela's in the coal space. And we've had massive outsized volatility in a lot of that, that sector. Bearing in mind, if you're buying the companies that operate in that space, you're introducing operational and financial leverage into your pure play on the underlying commodity. So that's always meaning that you're going to get a much higher beta, meaning volatility, both to the upside 
and to the downside. So it really, I guess, boils down to your, your flavor and what you like. Going back to IPOs and SPACs and Chamath as your contraindicator, you know, I was chuckling a little bit in the background there, is what's very interesting for me is that, yes, we are seeing activity in that space start to slow down again, according to some of the data that's, that's out there. But quite interesting. I mean, we've had Peloton go there saying they're not going to need new capital. Now they've kind of backtracked on that. And that's, that's been all over the, the meme universe. You know, I, I, I joked and I said, oh, all they need is, you know, on the, on, on, on the raising of capital, they need one of those Peloton instructors saying, you've got this Peloton, you can go. Yeah. You know, but jokes aside, there was a company called Casper and Casper was a company that was selling mattresses, you know, this, and they, they IPO a little while ago and they've just been taken private and they've been taken private at a massive discount to where the IPO price hit the market. So the fact of the matter is that if you're a retail investor, sometimes you're going to get sucked into bad quality businesses because of the hype. If you're not going to do your homework, and this is why doing your homework is so important, looking at an underlying business, I always say, you're not just buying a ticker on a screen. You're not just buying something and then, you know, YOLOing the thing to the moon. You've got to, if you're in this seriously for the long term, you've got to think as an investor and as an investor, you should understand the businesses you're buying. You should understand how does that business make money? Does that business make money? And I I don't say this tongue in cheek. So many of the IPOs that have hit the market recently, I mean, Rivian is an, uh, an EV manufacturer that's yet to sell a single vehicle and now has a larger market capitalization than all of your major automobile manufacturers barring Tesla, which I know is a favorite for you, Ghost. So does your company make money? I think we're at an interesting juncture in time where a lot of people are getting very excited and some of them may make a lot of money, but that's not a sustainable strategy. I prefer to look at underlying businesses and not buy a ticker on a screen. I prefer to buy an assortment of businesses that I believe in in the longer term. There I was thinking was Casper was a ghost reference, but it's a mattress company. And just in case you've just joined Magic Markets for the first time, when Moses Tezza is one of my favorites, he says that dripping with sarcasm. <laughs> Just, just to be super clear. Anyway, Ma, I think that's probably all we have time for this week. So this has been our, our one-year anniversary show, and it's wonderful to look back on, on everything we've done in the past year. And again, we would certainly encourage our listeners to go and check out Magic Markets Premium. That's where you really get the best of us. You get the deep dives on, on global stocks. You get a detailed report that goes with it. You get a podcast to listen to, and you get to engage with us. You can send us your thoughts. You know, we'll, we'll always try and answer those questions. So go check out Magic Markets Premium. Go check out magic-markets.com. Give this podcast a rating so more people can find us. And most importantly, thank you for listening to us over the past year. It's, it's really been great. Yeah, Ghost, I just want to say I think it's, it's been real. It's been fantastic. Thank you to our listeners. And most importantly as well, in Magic Markets Premium, just because we're covering a stock doesn't necessarily mean that we like the stock or we dislike the stock. That's part of building the investment thesis and hypothesis. And we debate this. And sometimes the ghost and I will not necessarily agree on what that investment thesis looks like. So it's very much part of the process to debate this. So again, if you really want to know what's happening beneath the surface, join us inside the paywall. That's really where you're going to find the quality stuff. Thanks so much for listening to Magic Markets. And we'll see you next week. Same time, same place. Remember to visit thefinanceghost.com and monos.com for more detailed insights. This podcast was for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial or investment advice. Please consult your personal financial advisor.